312 with none other than Miss Mitzi Purdue, author of, well, co-author of How to Be Up and Down Times by you, Mark Victor Hansen. And, uh, uh, yeah, there we are. And our buddy Preston. It's, so, Mitzi Purdue, Preston, Lee's How to Be Up and Down Times, which will be in the description and sticky in the top comment. I read it earlier this year when I had on Preston Weeks, and the the one thing that actually I did mention the I'm not even lying the one thing I did mention the other day to someone was um, how in that book you guys talked about the idea of compartmentalizing um, issues you know to do lists to you know all sorts of things it's you're getting in a fight with your spouse but you know in five minutes you have a big or a big podcast take your brain and you go putting that in this drawer I will address this afterwards or I'll address this in the morning Right now, I need to open the podcast drawer. I need to sit up straight, turn the lights on, plug the microphone in, and do this. And that's something that has actually helped me enormously. Is just I'm so glad because, Tommy, darling, you're going to need it right now. Because I'm going to do to you something that I'm going to guess that no podcast guest oh, no. has ever done to you before. Oh, no. Oh, no. I really am, so brace. And here's, here's what's going to happen. Okay. Get a deep breath because... Uh, this is addressed not only to you, Tommy, but to our audience. I'm going to hijack your whole podcast. Oh, no. It's, yes, it's yes, finally yes. Happened. It's finally happening. No, it's happening. It's happening right now because oh, my no. intention is to ask you questions. Because I have a little hunch that people who've been listening to you for a while, people have become fond of you. I certainly have, and I know others who have. I bet they'd like to know more about oh, no. you, and oh, no. that's what you're up against today. What are you going to do about it? I guess I'm going to walk. I want to give you some advice. Roll with it. Just okay. deal with it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I will. I will not edit out anything. Uh, I can honestly say I didn't know this was coming, and um, <laughs> I we had joked about doing or talked about doing this way off in the future, not. not but, but the future but is now. But it's me. here. It's now. So what am now. I going to do? I'm going to walk. I'm going to How I'm about gonna, relax and enjoy it. I'm going to okay. walk right into the fire like a man. So let's do this. Perfect. Okay. Okay. One of the things that I have a curiosity about but but I actually have a whole laundry list of things that I think your viewers would like to know about you. And let's start with one of the things that impresses me most about your podcast and keeps me coming back uh except the times when I hijack it. Um uh, is how do you you, you seem to have an extraordinary range of of like interests and ability to draw from your own knowledge like analogies mm -hmm. and observations that I just don't understand how somebody your age can do it. Now, if you were my age, but you're not, you're 30. So what kind of background do you have? I, I know it's like pre-med, mm -hmm. but how, how do you happen to have such a big knowledge of history, for example, or politics, or let's even go with human nature. Mm -hmm. You're on. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. Okay. So yeah, well, pre-med at UGA, uh, to be specific, biology degree. And if I, I guess I'm going to be using, doing an example to explain the example. I found, for instance, let's take organic chemistry two, which I took in summer 2012. And that was obviously an accelerated course. It's a five month course over two months. So that's all I did summer 2012 was study organic chemistry, organic chemistry two. We had a test every two weeks. And because that's all I did, I started to notice that it took about 10 or 11 days to even just 
get through all of the chapters for the next test. So of the 14 days in between tests, it would take about 10 or 11 days. I would go through and I would do practice tests and take uh, do the questions at the end of the book. And I would get X score, most of the time barely, barely getting uh, a D. I would then go through them all again, read through the chapters again. But because I'd already read through them once, I didn't need to go slow. I could go through them again. I'd maybe get a, and I would do different questions. So it wasn't that I was remembering the answers. I would maybe get a C or a B. And I would keep going and going and going. And like clockwork, up until the night before, so we'll say maybe day 13, is when I would start scoring like 95 to 99 percentage on the practice tests. And the morning of, I would do practice tests all day. And that's when I would start to hit the perfect 100 score. And I found that you just have to, it's not enough to just look at the questions you're getting wrong and then go back and sort of spot touch those. I found by going through the whole thing again and again and again and again, you start to pick up on these big pictures and interactions that you can really only reach at the end. And I found that with the MCAT. They said you should study for about two months on the MCAT. I studied for nine. I memorized over 500 equations and I did had a, I personally made about a thousand PowerPoints. And my practice test scores from September 2012 to when I started to May 30th, 2013 when I took it, it's actually, it's actually the same percentage of time for about nine months. So for about eight and a half of those months, my test scores were about a 30 to a 31. And on the MCAT, that's about 60th percentile. In the last week, my score started to go to 32, 33, getting up into that you know 80th, 90th percentile. Day of, took the test, I scored in the 95th.6th percentile. But it's the same, it's a pattern that I just trusted, that I knew if I just kept saturating the material, eventually the web of connection, if you zoom out far enough, like the all the individual stars turn into the Milky Way. And I didn't do it. Yes. By the way, I'm going to interrupt because since I've hijacked your program, I get to interrupt. You you have just given a perfect case example of how you can draw on analogies that wouldn't occur to somebody else. Bravo. And now that I've interrupted, uh, go back and with your analogy about the individual stars form the pattern of Milky Way. If you just keep zooming out far enough. Now, if you started on, let's say the earth you would zoom out from trees until all of a sudden it just looked like a mass right you would see forests but we can say that maybe for all of my tests in college i was doing forests the mcat was the milky way where i just sort of trusted the plan that it would work try 17 times and it's you're still failing just keep zooming out and it honestly it the mcat was a different beast because it almost took a level of faith it wasn't just work hard it was like this is going to work. I know it will. And it's what Terrence McKenna said. The universe loves courage. If you go for what you love, it, the universe will pick you up. It won't grind you down. The whole secret, the whole shamanic dance under the waterfall, the alchemy of turning lead into gold is diving into the abyss and discovering that it's a feather bed. And when I zoomed out and you see the Milky Way, that's the MCAT. And so I had this idea years ago that was like, so, so what is it? So, so let's take the, what's the, the, the core of that? You just have to keep studying. You can never stop. Well, how do you keep studying? Like this podcast, how do I keep doing an episode every day? I keep it simple. And I am answering your question. It takes a second. Oh, to get no, to. you're answering perfectly. I love it. It takes a second to get to. 
is I just kept it as simple as possible. Like I make my to-do list for tomorrow. I make it at the end of the day when I'm most tired because I know if I make a to-do list when I'm exhausted, then the rest of the day when I'm more awake, I'll be able to do it. You don't make a to-do list right when you wake up and have a coffee because you're like, let's take on the world. You make it when you're exhausted, maybe a little depressed, anxious, a little bit of that existential void kicking in. That's when you make your to-do list. So I decided after the MCAT, I was like, how how do I keep this learning process going? And I ultimately decided not to go to medical school, but I was like, how do I keep this learning process going? Well, I keep it simple. And what is simple? Just learn what you want to learn. Guess the only way you can make this. So MCAT, so OCAM two weeks, MCAT nine months. I was like, what if I took nine years? What if I took nine decades? What could I accomplish? And my idea was if I just tried to learn as much about as much as I could, learn the most material about the most number of subjects, somewhere down the line, and it might take the rest of my life, I would be able to start to piece together, you know, the universe, life, uh, um, you know, human geopolitical interactions, the rise of kingdoms, like, and so I kept it simple. And by keeping it simple, I don't set out plans and I don't look at, well, I've learned a lot about the Cold War, but maybe it's about time I dive into physics. I just keep it simple and what I'm interested in. And so what I do is I just keep audiobooks or YouTube documentaries going pretty much from the time I wake up to when I go to sleep. And I don't, I've about 99% is nonfiction. And I just, I like to just suck in information. Maybe it's about, you know, how Hitler had flatulence problems and had to walk his dog in the forest to fart alone. Or maybe it's about, or maybe it's about Francis and Crick taking LSD and discovering the double helix uh, DNA structure. Anything that interests you and just absorb it all. And you you remember it and you can draw on it. Because I'm interested. If I set out to do it because I thought it was what I needed to learn, I would never learn it and I would never remember it. I only do things I'm interested in. So what you would do is just whatever you're interested in today. I'm interested in, I don't know, the, you know, the history of locomotives. And then you just go in and learn about that. And don't worry about, am I learning enough? Have I, do I have, did I find the nugget in there? Because you'll never see the nugget until you've zoomed out enough to see the Milky Way. So the fact that I use that analogy, right? about the Milky Way. I never once was like, ah, there's the nugget, the Milky Way. One day I'll use that in a conversation on a podcast. No, I was just like, oh, that's interesting. You zoom out and then it becomes one structure. That was a very long answer to your question, but that's what it is, is just, I kind of, every day I turn the vacuum on the lowest setting of my brain and I just sort of hoover up information and it takes years and thousands of hours of documentaries but the pieces start to click. And Paulo Coelho, Silo, author of The Alchemist, one of the best-selling books of all time, he said that in the analogy he uses in the book is that you can try to learn all the religions and all the secrets of the universe, but what you ultimately will realize is all the secrets of the universe can be fit on the head of a piece of rice. And that is what he was saying is kind of what, I, what I've learned. Once you learn enough information, the patterns and using examples of zooming out to the Milky Way, 
they all start to repeat themselves. So you could you don't have to learn about the Cold War and organic chemistry. You could learn a history of the construction of luxury violins. And I'm sure after enough years of studying that, you would start to be able to make astounding analogies between that and the the writing of the Constitution. I truly do. I think the patterns exist everywhere. They just hide under fine cooking or particle physics or podcasts or whatever. Does that, does that answer your question? Uh, yes, but it also proves to me how right I was to hijack your show yes, because, well, here's why. Because I have a deep conviction, and if anybody wants to uh, comment on my conviction in the comment section, please do. But I think for the most part, people tune in to you, you know, in part because you've got great guests, but I think even more that in a Joe Rogan-like way, they tune in for you. And so I simply made up my mind a few minutes ago that I would hijack your show in order to ask the questions that people who want to know more about you would like to know. Sure. And let's let's move to the next one. Okay. Uh, by the way, I don't I don't have I have a mental kind of list of things that I'd like mm -hmm. to know, but I don't have a list. But I'd love to know, like, what time do you get up? How much do you sleep? Uh, what What do you do during the day? Is Is it all study or um, where does exercise fit in? Where does friendship fit in? It's so it's sleep schedule is any it's between I I get into rhythms where it's always between like eight a.m. and eleven a.m. And I get into rhythms where maybe for a month I wake up at eight, maybe for a month I wake up at eleven. Right now I'm waking up a little earlier, and like I don't plan on it; it just kind of happens. Like last week, I just had something, tried to get up earlier. Tomorrow I'm having on Dale Comstock, Delta Force guy again, and he can Yay. only yeah, he, love him. He's the best. He can only do ten a.m. though because he's in Bali, so my ten a.m. is his ten p.m. So it just so right now no conscious effort i'm just kind of or there is conscious effort in that i kind of force myself to get up but it i didn't plan to get into this 8 a.m sleep cycle now and are, are you an eight hour a night person or a five hour or it, yeah so to answer that so to first part 8 a.m to 11 a.m about there um i've found that if i actually like time it or use one of those watches i sleep for about seven hours and 20 minutes plus or minus like five minutes but there's a mental block that you can't lay down and give yourself seven hours and 20 minutes because then you're going to be falling. You're going to be laying there going, I got to fall asleep. I got to fall asleep. So I give myself to when I lay down and close my eyes, I give myself between like eight and a half, nine hours. I always plan that I'm going to sleep for nine hours because that gives me enough leeway that if I lay there and I can't fall asleep, there's not a feedback cycle of I should be falling asleep. I have stuff to do tomorrow. Oh my god, I'm 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 now I'm now I'm getting worked up and I gotta fall asleep. Stop working yourself up. Stop thinking about work. So I I set a timer for about nine hours, and I'll always sleep about seven hours and twenty minutes. But by giving myself a window of nine, I I, I don't stress myself out. But sleep a thousand percent non negotiable. Need to do it. Next step, exercise within thirty minutes of waking up. I'm out the door and going to the gym. In college, it was I had dumbbells in my room. Exercise wakes me up even further in a way that stimulants cannot. It's it's non-negotiable, 
and I don't even attempt to negotiate with my mind because in the morning, the laziest part of you takes over and it's like, you don't need to do it, you're fine. So I get up and I go before I even have time to think about not going. I put my shoes on and I just, you know, I wanna check my phone, I wanna text, I wanna look at how the podcast is doing. That's fine, I do that on the treadmill. So I just start walking and I walk a mile at three miles an hour, just enough to get the blood flowing. By the time I've done that, I'm like, okay, I'm here, I'm moving, I'm sweating already, I'm at the gym, and I make a deal with myself. I'm like, well, you go lift weights for 10 minutes. 10 minutes, with no breaks in between, just keep moving and moving and moving. If you ever take what time- breaks in between, oh my God. Well, I mean, move to different muscles. It's If you do yeah. like supersets, maybe take 30 seconds or something, but just keep going. Again, I leave no time to negotiate with myself, right? It's yeah. it's being pushed off the diving board. Don't think of, or the, the flight instructor, another analogy, Sean Coots, a guy I've had on here before, he says, we push people out of the plane for doing skydiving because don't think about it, stop thinking. So I don't give myself time to think about it. And by the time I realize how tired I am, the workout's over. So wake up, And, work and how long do you spend on your workout? Hour? So it takes about, no, it takes about 15 minutes to walk a slow mile. And then I do about 10 to 15 minutes of wait. So I'm walking in and then walking out of the gym in 30 minutes elapse. I keep it very short. And again, it's like learning. By keeping it super simple, if you wake up in bed and you're tired and you're just not having a good day, it's very easy to tell yourself, hey, can you go walk for 15 minutes? You can lie to yourself and you're like, let's go do 15. And the reality is, is you're Trojan horsing yourself. You know, you're like, yeah. I, I got him. And then once you're on the treadmill, you're like, hey. Yeah, once you're on the treadmill, you're like, hey, can you give me 10, 10 minutes of weights? And you can just fool yourself. And you're like, I'll go give you 10 minutes. And by the time you get going, you normally will do more. So it's. It's this weird, almost like schizophrenic. You just have to like divide your mind and then just lie to it. And you're like, well, just go to the gym for a minute. We're fine, right? It's like the friend that's like, let's go get a beer. And you're like, fine. And next thing you know, you're 10 beers deep and it's three in the morning. And it's that, you're like, how did he do it again? So I do that to myself every morning. The same thing, well, and to ask, so after that, shower and then as non-negotiable as sleep and as exercise is meditation. And it's the yeah. same thing. I lie to myself every day. And I'm like, can you give me 10 minutes? And you may wonder, why would you have to lie about meditation? Isn't that a peaceful, enjoyable thing? It is, as is exercise, but you have to get started. It's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta whittle the wood before the fire starts. You have to put in energy, right? Endothermic, exothermic, enthalpy, balance equation, all that good stuff. Gibbs free energy and physics and blah, blah, blah. So I tell myself, will you give me 10 minutes? If I tell myself that I'll have I, 10. I wanna, I wanna hear the rest of the day, but I- Sure. But I don't wanna lose the thought of meditation because I'm not into meditation. I have not successfully done it. Um, what is your meditation practice and how much do you get out of it? So same thing is I I have tried, I started in fall 2008 and in college I got really into it, did it several times a day and I used it to, to help me study better by sort of clearing my mind. It was like taking breaks while working out, which I clearly don't do. Well, actually for, for people who don't have any background in it at all, so what is meditation? What are you doing when you're sitting there? So that's, so that's what I'm getting to is when people ask me, well, I don't know how to do it. There's no, it's like if someone said, I don't even know how to pray. 
sure, I mean, you can like recite prayers maybe that you learned in Catholic school, but you don't need to pray. You don't need to, you can just, you know, God, him, her, whatever it is, please help me. You don't need anyone to tell you how to pray, right? It's the same. Yeah. So how do you, how do you do it? I sit there and after years of trying different techniques, you need to focus on your breath. You need to focus on the universe. You need to focus on love. And eventually what I got the most out of was Alan Watts, who 1915 and 1973 said the best way to meditate is to do nothing. Because if you have muddy water, let's say you're playing in a creek as a kid and you have muddy water, the best, quickest way to make it clear is by not touching it. If you try to push the muddy, you're going to just draw more dirt from the, the bed of the river. The best way to clear muddy water is to not touch it and it will settle on its own. So I sit there. I sit Indian style on my bed. I turn on some white noise. I have a bedside fan. Close the door. Put your phone on airplane mode. Put it out of reach and just sit there. And I, I close my eyes. If you're really tired, keep your eyes open. And it takes about 10 minutes of you'll notice your thoughts of, okay, well, after this, I got to, you know, I got to go talk to Mitzi Purdue. And then, you know, what are we going to slow your mind down? Okay. And then next thing you know, yeah, and I got to do my laundry and I got to put up the curtains because I want the camera angle to be better. Oops. Okay. My mind got going again. Stay, and you stay still for a little longer. And then next thing you know is, you know, I'm 30 years old already. What am I going to do? I got to have an income because I slow it down and it will the the gaps in between slowing down become more and more frequent or the time drops to where you're it's almost like what if instead of commercials while watching a movie, what if instead of commercials, it was just a black screen in silence and the movie is your internal thoughts and the commercials are it slows down and you realize Oh, I'm watching a movie. And then what if the commercial started happening more and more frequently? So it takes about 10 minutes of doing nothing, which is why you don't need to learn. It's just doing yeah. nothing Yeah. to where it starts to, it almost stabilizes. It's like a plane reaching altitude and then going in autopilot. You stabilize. Mm -hmm. And the key is to lie to yourself and tell yourself you're only going to do 10 minutes. But if you can do 10, maybe sometimes 15 you enter that space to where just like lying about going into the gym, once you do a couple sets and you're like, hey, my 10 minutes is up, once your your muscles are pumped up and your, your blood's going and the music's playing right, you're gonna be like, I'm gonna do a couple more sets, I'm feeling it. That's what it is, is you get to that 10 minute mark and all of a sudden it slows down. And it's another description I've heard about it is you know when the laundry machine's on or the heater's on and you didn't even really know it was on, you don't know it's on until all of a sudden it cuts off. Yeah, sure. And you're like, oh, whoa, it's silent. That's what that moment is. 10 to 15 minutes, your your internal mind all but starts to shut off. And it's just silence and it's peace. And if you stay in that area, well, then it's an infinity. Maybe you want to address, I lost a sibling to suicide. Maybe I want to hey, is that stuff still bothering me? No? Okay. Uh, you're worried about turning the podcast into an income. Well, you, my mind slows down enough that it's like, hey, stick with it. It's going to work. It's, or whatever, you know, I should really call that person 
life's too short to hold a grudge or sometimes it's not even any earthly stuff sometimes it's i really i i exist right now in reality like i am and you start to dive into these these mental trips that that psychedelics can't hold a candle to and you go in and it's just peace and your mind clears and you look at simple things you start to see the long-term pattern of what you're doing building a podcast you start to see it as i'm constructing constructing a skyscraper and today don't worry about the hundredth floor today i just want you to put can you put down 10 more bricks okay and instead of it being this i'll never complete it when you're in a meditative state you see the big picture and you go oh okay just do 10 more because it's going to be great so with that 10 minutes 10 15 minutes helps me do and then if i get into it maybe i'll stay for 15 more minutes rarely go over a half hour some a few times in my life i've gone for like three hours you just fall into it as soon as i end that meditation so now i've woken up now i've exercised showered shave put on clean clothes meditate as soon as i exit that meditation state i walk in here and i do a podcast so now i'm only doing one you know let's say oh sometimes i do more but let's say i'm putting out a podcast a day well, how would you build up a podcast? You would prime yourself to where you're arrested, you've exercised, and you are now in this state of peace and gratitude and thankfulness. You come on, camera's on. You are you are the person that just did a warm-up mile and now the Super Bowl starts and you're ready to go Tom Brady and just start hitting passes. You come on and you give it an hour, 45 minutes, whatever, of your, your A game, da 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 your mind is clear, you're awake. Now you're tapping into that stuff that you've been studying for seven years, 10 years about the secretary, you know, Curtis LeMay and Thomas Powers at Strategic Air Command and Offutt Air Force Base and the Arctic Caps and Admiral Byrd in Antarctica and Mitsu Purdue and a podcast and a 4K camera and the gradual increase of the accelerating returns of working hard and 4D picturing things while you're meditating and what you're building to. And it just comes out in this. And by the time it starts to die down, let's wrap it up, folks. That was a great podcast. Thanks for being here. We'll be back tomorrow. And then as soon as I'm finished with that, I normally kind of just like drool and I like get on something simple like Facebook and I kind of just let my brain take a minute. And then I have the rest of the day. Let's say you have to go to work, do whatever. So what do you do for the rest of the day? Because that's only a couple hours that we've covered. Let's say it was an hour to but work. Yeah, you have a lot. Kind of take, you know, let yourself clear up a little bit. The rest of the day, what I do is I passively put on information in the background, audiobook, documentary, and a, a rule I have with myself is that I never force myself to rewind anything. So let's say you're listening to a book and then you realize you're like, I haven't even been paying attention for 10 minutes. So you rewind it and you're like, okay. And then it's kind of like meditation. Another 10 minutes goes by, you're like, I'm still not paying, you know, when you read a book and you have to keep going back. Yeah. That's that makes it work and that makes it difficult and that makes you less likely to keep doing it. So what I do is I just let it go on passively in the background and it just plays and every once in a while I'll pick up on something interesting and I just let it play. And sometimes I'm hooked and I pay attention to every second and every word for the duration of the book. Sometimes it comes in and out. What are you doing while you're listening? All sorts of stuff. Like maybe you're walking, maybe you're sorting laundry. Walking, um, laundry, cleaning, 
grocery store, driving, put in headphones, do whatever, editing the videos, you know, emailing new guests, just put it, you know, and if it's, I, if I don't have anything else to do, I'll do something like I'll put, pull up solitaire on my phone or I play video games, but I mute. Are you telling me that you can do solitaire and listen to a, a, a book on tape? Well, that's the thing is because you're not consciously listening. You're letting it play okay, like you, you would music. That, do you absorb anything when you're not focused on it? So, yeah, I do. And what it is, is it's almost like it's almost like your brain kind of splits and you have like a secretary. And when something interesting comes up, it's sort of like pay attention. And you're like, oh, that's so cool. I never knew about the nuclear submarines in the Gulf of wherever in Soviet Russia. And then it is when it's almost something that's not valuable, your brain almost knows it for you. And it's like, you don't have to pay attention. This part's not important, right? Like a movie theater, you can go to the bathroom. You're not, you're not missing anything. And it, and then what happens is when you find like a jewel like that, you know, Operation Ivy Bells, putting American nuclear subs in a in this Gulf in Soviet in Soviet Russia, where we literally parked on the seabed in a Gulf. They said they were so close. If they had come out and swam to the surface, they said you probably could have thrown a football and hit Soviet soil. But when I learn something like that, I'll take that and I'll try to almost like a like a file. I'll click on that. So I learn about that. I will now go in and go into YouTube and try to find documentaries specifically about Operation Ivy Bells. Now, to use an example, I learned about that in the book Blind Man's Bluff, all about nuclear submarines. I just played it on the background. Of that entire thing, there were some interesting things, but the thing that stuck out was Operation Ivy Bells. I will now take that thing and I will dive into that. And that's something where I'm paying attention because I'm like, this is amazing. And then once I've done it all, I, sometimes I might listen a second time, a third time, a fifth time. Eventually, I exhaust it. And just like meditation or exercise, I never want to start the next audiobook. But I will, and I'll pull something up, and I'll let it play. And then while doing that, I'll pick up a new, through passive ab absorption, I'll pick up a new topic I want to listen to, and I'll find a jewel in there, and then I'll start to expand on that. And Mitzi, you froze up. I saw your image freeze up while I was talking, so I finished my thought. And then what I was saying, though, touch up real quick. I don't quick. see that you're recording, by the way. It says recording. Help, mine doesn't. Does, oh, I must be in the... Okay, I'm with you. You're yeah, recording. Okay. Um, so uh, with the thought I was finishing up was... I let I let audiobooks play in the background until I pick up a, a tab of information I like. It'd be like if you took an encyclopedia and then just flipped through it, you'd pause when you saw something. What is that? That's a whatever, a big ancient crocodile or whatever you're interested in. Look at the size of that cathedral. You then look at it and you go, oh, this is whatever, a basilica. You then might go in and go, now I want to go learn about basilicas. So what I do is I almost treat audiobooks as like, encyclopedias and it's so for instance blind man's bluff the best book about like nuclear subs there is that was almost an encyclopedia and i flipped through it if you will learned about operation ivy bells i was like that's insane and i went in and i learned in all about that and then what happens is once you finish learning about a subject it's a lot like waking up the next morning you don't want to go to the gym even if you've gone to the gym every morning for a decade and a half, you wake up and you go, I don't want to go. I never, you know just what you mean? yeah, I never want to start a new audiobook. 
I'm just like, ah, why? I just want to listen to music. I want to play video games. I, but I just like meditation or like the, the gym. I just hit play. And then I lie to myself. I'm like, yeah, just listen to 20 minutes and then you can stop. And I'm like, I always fall for it. I'm like, let's do 20 minutes. Next thing you know, you're turning it on. You're like, who is this guy? General Smedley Butler, who retired from the the Marines in 1933 and was friends with FDR. And the, the grandfather of George Bush, Prescott Bush, was buddy-buddy with J.P. Morgan. And in 1933, they wanted to overthrow FDR in a thing called the business plot. And they and Smedley Butler said he would do it, but he did it just to find out information. And then he, he turned down their coup and further strengthened as a Republican. He went on a circuit and actually campaigned for FDR because he saw evil forces in the government. Not a lot of people know about that. I never knew about well, I, that. I, I sure didn't. Yeah. The business plot. Capital B, capital P. The business plot. Some financial backers. Are you aware that there was something that I just watched on The Crown, something remarkably similar to that that happens, well, I guess this is post-World War II, but where people wanted to get rid of the socialist government and they were plotting a coup. Yeah, happens all the time. And you don't you don't learn about it. And then all of a sudden it's, well, who's this Smedley Butler character? And you go in and you read about him. You go, oh, this is the most decorated Marine in United States history. Went in as an enlisted man, finished as a uh, as a major general, was friends with FDR, led led wars in in uh, China, the Caribbean in World War One was uh was he knew MacArthur before World War II and at the end of it all he came out and he gave the I'm sure you're aware of the military industrial complex speech by Dwight Eisenhower on his last day in office beware in the councils of government about unwarranted influence from the military industrial complex that was in 1960 Smedley Butler gave a speech in 1933 27 years prior about almost the same thing he said war is a racket it's wrapped in a flag and you think it's for your country and then you realize that the real reason you're knocking over these governments in South America is so that Wall Street can, you know, United Fruit Company can keep their flow of bananas coming in. You go down and take down the Shah in the Middle East because you realize Standard Oil and Rockefeller really needs their guys. And you start to, and it, it, what happens over 30 years and rising through the ranks like he did is you go, I'm just a muscle man for big business, which is why Smedley Butler said the armed forces should be used for two things and two things only, defending the borders of the United States and protecting the Bill of Rights. All else is a racket. And he goes, I know a racket when I see one. He goes, in hindsight, in hindsight, I could have given Al Capone a few tips. He operated in three counties. I operated on three continents. And you're like, who is this guy? I've... I've never. And why don't we all know about him? Exactly. He's so insanely cool. Exactly. And he wrote. And then you go in further. You go. Oh, he wrote a book called War Is a Racket. And you go in and you grab it on Audible. And I have it right now. And I haven't listened to it yet. But now I have it. And now, next thing you know, you're using War Is a Racket in a podcast with Mitzi Perdue when being asked about how do I learn to do analogies. You're seeing in real time how it happens. You find a little something in the encyclopedia and you open it up you bookmark it you take a highlighter and you go i'm gonna go find some documentaries on smedley butler and then that leads you down somewhere else and somewhere in there you learn your next topic and then it snowballs and next thing you know one of the books is really good and you realize oh the book was only written three years ago the author's alive google his name contact information next thing you know you're having on the author and the whole thing meanwhile all you got to do is keep a camera running and then you get an author and it's the whole it just 
and there's like a meta aspect to it. And then you build a podcast and you get a following and now you have someone on your podcast talking about how do you, and it's just this, this black hole of, I don't know, keep doing what I'm doing. And speaking of uh, another question in my mind is, what is your long-term plan or goal? I, I know what mine is for you as a fan. Sure. Uh, that, that you leave Joe Rogan in the dust. And I love Joe Rogan, so that's so not I. anything against him. No, no, nothing against He is, he, I mean, he was a big inspiration. And he's the top. He, yeah, I started listening to him while I was pre-med. And I think my end goal is to have on, to have the same effect on people that he had on me. Because as a pre-med student, I was convinced that, okay, maybe I wasn't totally happy, but you know what? I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be Dr. Kerrigan. It's a reputable uh, job to hold, a title to hold. I'll make money. I'll always have a job. Yeah, I'm not really happy, but you know what? This is as good as it gets. Listening to Joe Rogan and hearing this guy talking about it, he's like, don't just give up. You know, Do what you want. He was like, chase what you love. Just start now. Be a good person, and like, good things will come back. That guy gave me enough confidence that like I can do this too, that I went first, I decided to try out writing and then graphic design, but ultimately it landed on podcasting. So one, I would like to be able to have that influence on people too, because Joe Rogan has changed my life for the better. I, this is, and this is before he was big. This was like 2011, 2012 when I was listening to him. The next thing I would like to do is the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, MAPS, led by, uh, what is his name, Dr. Uh, Rick Doblin. Um, it's an association that wants to use psychedelics for therapeutic purposes. And they haven't been able to because they've been as a Schedule One drug, meaning they have no medicinal purposes and thus can't be studied. Uh, Are we talking way beyond marijuana? LSD, psilocybin, and other things. And to everyone that I say this to, they all kind of, because they ask, what's the purpose of this podcast? And they start to roll their eyes. Well, no. When you realize that like heroin recovery centers have like a 95% recidiv recidivism rate, but yeah. then Ibogaine, I-B-O-G-A-I-N-E uh, treatment centers have like a 95% success rate, or with PTSD, soldiers coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, and they saw their friends get blown up and covered in their brain matter, and they come back and their wife was cheating on them, and they're like, why am I even still alive? And all this trauma, and I don't wanna go into it. But then they come into these like clinical settings with a doctor, and maybe someone else important in their life, maybe someone else that fought with them, maybe their dad, whatever, and they take MDMA, Molly, ecstasy, the overwhelming feelings of love and forgiveness allowed them to deal with that trauma. And then they often don't need another session for another year to two years. And these people, their lives completely change. And it's alcohol addiction, cigarettes, uh, rape. It's They can solve these things that most pharmaceuticals couldn't do in even like a botched study where the numbers are, scr or, are smudged. They, they they can't come close these things are like nuclear weapons whereas like zoloft or wellbutrin these things great for what they are are more like muskets and these things have just been demonized since the 60s they've just been don't touch it you'll grow your hair out and you'll run across the country in a volkswagen bug chasing the beetles which i don't think sounds that bad but they're finding these things do have real world and not just for you know ooh, we're all love i mean 
guys that come back from war, these hardened guys who just, I mean, 22 veterans commit suicide a day. Clearly, we haven't figured it out. And not just them, but it doesn't just need to be veterans. It can be anyone that but, went but through something. But tell me by an organization like the VA, which I admire. I mean, the doctors that sure. I know there, I just admire, including yeah. my niece, yeah. admire to the outer limit. Are, do they have closed minds or what's going on? No, 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 no. And that's not to, that's not to, sh uh, to, to crap on the VA or any medical institution. They are, they are using the tools at hand. And they're doing the best they but, can. But I mean, why aren't the why aren't the tools available to them? Why why don't they know about this? Because it's been illegal for fifty plus years, and a lot of people look at it once and they see that it's Schedule One, whereas you know heroin is Schedule Two, not as dangerous. <laughs> and they go, "Oh, it's pure evil. Why even you know? Why are we even touching?" Okay, it? I get it. So they go, I "It's it. it's more so you're a doctor, you're studying nonstop, and this thing pops up, and you're like, you haven't slept in three days, and you're like, I gotta go study for my boards. I don't have time to look at." The, the use of LSD in soldiers. I need to study about the femur, right? Right. They're doing their best with what they have. It's. I don't think it's really their responsibility to know. Um, it's. But it's they're slowly making and it's been chipping away at the bureaucratic system and limits on it. And it's been slow, but it's if you look back over twenty years, they're gaining momentum and speed. Dr. Eben Alexander, who I've had on here twice now and who's coming back on in February, author of Proof of Heaven and Living in a Mindful Universe, who is a neurosurgeon at Harvard. I've certainly read his book and, and recommended it to He's others. Amazing. I mentioned this at the end of the last podcast and he, he knows all about it. He's like, that's so that's what we're going to talk about on the next podcast is MAPS, the Multidisciplinary, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. As someone that's lost a sibling to suicide, as someone that's dealt with those feelings myself, as I'm, as I'm sure most of us have, I I don't want to study it. I don't want to be a physician in the research lab. That's not my passion. I want to talk about it and help normalize it for people that I bring it up to. And they're like, what are you talking, like we're doing now, like I've done on several podcasts before where people ask me, what's your end goal of this? I want to help normalize it to as many people as possible in hopes that it accelerates it. And number two, just like Elon Musk says about why he's amassing all this wealth, and he's recently, as of two days ago, the wealthiest man in the world, shout out Elon Musk, who my favorite quote of all time is from him, I'd rather be optimistic and wrong than be pessimistic and right. He says that he's amassing all this wealth so that he can help privately fund SpaceX to get us to Mars so that humanity can't be wiped out by an asteroid. I want to amass a disgusting amount of wealth. Sure, it'll be fun to own a Bentley one day, I hope. I do want some creature comforts. But what I really want is I just want to make the biggest donation ever to MAPS. I don't want them to have to rely on federal funding because they're not, they're, it's not a government agency. I just wanted to, I mean, they, they get happy when they're like, we raised $100,000 this year. And I'm like, what if they had 100 million? And so you may ask, is, so is this just a place that's close to my heart? I lost a sibling to suicide. I was going to be a doctor. You know, it's not just that. If you can change things on a ground level of helping people with the beast of all beasts, we are in the dark ages of mental health. We are doing the equivalent of putting, of, of putting leeches on skin. If we can fix things at a base level, what is the ripple effect? How many families don't lose a veteran dad to suicide? And then the kid, how many families now don't have a kid that grows up and gets into trouble because he didn't have a father figure? How many 
how many communities are or just friendships social social circles you know i lost my brother but a lot a lot of friends lost john their friends i mean what are the ripple effects of that and not only that is when this becomes a mode of helping people it's it's rising and rising and rising and rising what happens when all of a sudden the person that's helped with mental health what what happens when they're not a me or a john what happens when it's a a Steve Jobs or an Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden you get someone with a hundred billion in the bank and they have this enlightening experience. And unlike me, where I come out of it and I go, let's be nicer to people. What if they come out of it and go, let's solve world hunger? So it's, it's maps is like gasoline. And most of us, it's just, we're soaking it up, but nothing's really happening. All it needs to do is run over one person that is a match. And then that can change the world. So, and a podcast can do that. And but, they, but that's the, we have something of a time limit. I sure. Have one other yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've already gone over the time limit. I'm sorry. Yeah, but it's worth it. I I'm mean, sorry. I'm, I didn't I'm even realize it. it. I didn't even realize that. I'm sorry. I went ten minutes over. But sorry to answer your question. End goal: raise a lot of wealth to do that. It doesn't even need to be a podcast. You could be a stockbroker. You could own land. It's the end goal: is wealth, psychedelic studies hopefully and it doesn't even need to change the world maybe just help people that are suicidal which to me that's still good you know i'm very involved in human traffic oh, i'm yes. not going to mention what i'm involved no, no, in no you are you're in no, don't don't say it uh, let's just say ht okay uh, and people have heard me before i think would know what that's about um it has the word human and then i'm going to have some other words in between and then the word trafficking and then the algorithms won't pick us up yeah. but i've noticed that you have an awful lot more viewers and responses to you than youtube seems to mention what gives and, and don't mention the ht thing because HT. because i was on with you once and you know just in seconds we had like five thousand people mm -hmm. the next time when when we mentioned the H, ht thing um uh, okay i'll repeat what happened uh I usually sleep just beautifully through the night, but just once I woke up in the middle of the night and it was four o'clock and I did what any normal person does who wakes up in the middle of the night. I immediately went to my iPad and turned on your podcast and you had just posted a podcast with me. And, you know, in a matter of like minutes, like I'm not sure, five minutes, two minutes, there are already 96 views. And I'm thinking, oh, this is so great. Um, I'll, I'll top the 5,000 I had before. But when I turned it on like an hour later, my 96 had gone to 74. And how can a cumulative record go backwards? Yeah, something was wacko and it never did go much beyond 100. So what's what gives? I mean, and... <laughs> Yeah, some, something's wacko in the YouTube numbers and you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not, it's not innocent. It's not, you know, that's a very nice way to say it, wacko. What it is, is it's conscious censorship of topics they don't want talked about. And we're seeing that as of today, January 9th, 2020 at 2.58 p.m. Otherwise, since I want lots of viewers to listen and to get to see you, let's not get into anything too sure, controversial. Sure, sure, sure. How about just mentioning facts without the theories behind the sure. facts? What we're seeing right now is a lot of censorship, and that's what it is. Is your simplest answer? There's a, it's some, for whatever reason, it is a subject that is sensitive to them, and they don't want it discussed. It's, what did Voltaire say? To know who rules over you, simply find out who you cannot criticize. 
I'll let but you talk make about, that about what the you disconnect will. between the YouTube figures, which often are like at a hundred, and yet social media tells you that you're like at ten thousand. Yeah, most times they 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 roughly parallel each other. If you post a link on a, say you have on a guy, Sean Coots talks about skydiving. You take him, you go find a skydiving forum. If on that skydiving forum, not a lot of people respond to it, then you know that it just wasn't an interesting episode and no one really, whatever. But for instance, that's not the case with Sean Coots, very interesting guy, shout out Sean. You go post it in a skydiving forum and maybe it gets, for instance, let's call it, let's say Reddit, different forums, different platforms for different topics. But let's just say for one podcast in particular, Sean Coots, you go onto Reddit, skydiving, whatever, base jumping, wingsuiting, and let's say it gets, 500 upvotes your views are going to be roughly parallel to that maybe 500 maybe less maybe some people just upvoted it but didn't click on it maybe people clicked on it but didn't upvote it you can normally draw about a parallel i've seen that with other episodes where have on delta force and it goes up to 3,000 upvotes and you see it gets three to five thousand views pretty parallel some episodes admittedly don't hit it out of the park sometimes i don't bring my a-game with yours, it will go up to thousands of upvotes and 74 views. Yeah, what? Well, okay, you've already answered it, censorship. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so what's your workaround? Um, decentralize, put it on BitChute, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E, and Rumble, R-U-M-B-L-E, two uh, alternative video platforms. There's also... Uh, one called band.video. But what is my workaround? Point is, is you put it on other platforms. And because the worst thing you can do, if you don't decentralize, you would then come to it. Like me, as someone that does make money off this podcast, and it is now my income, people that don't monetize it and they don't care, they're kind of more free because they're like, I don't care, I'll do whatever. Some people are, they're like, this is my income, I have a family, and I don't fault them. It's easy for me to point fingers, but I don't fault them. They self-censor. They take it down. They avoid that topic. They edit it out. Let's not touch that. We'll stop doing live episodes and I'll edit that out. My workaround is decentralized and two big middle fingers and I will keep talking about it because self-censorship is Joseph Goebbels sheds a tear with happiness. You're censoring yourself. I don't even need to do it for you. That's my workaround is uh, get a bigger flag and turn up the volume. I, I see no, there's no honor in self-censorship. I absolutely adore your attitude. And since we are out of time, and yeah. since I have uh, hijacked your show, I'm going to say goodbye to our audience. Okay, we'll wrap this up. Mitzi Purdue, thank you very much for coming on. No, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. Oh, thank okay, you I'm sorry. I'll, sh I'll shut up, I'll shut up. For, for coming to this podcast, and I hope you really enjoyed learning more about your host, whom you're here for because you adore him. <laughs> So can I, can I sign yeah, off? Okay, may, I'll, I'll may I sign you off of, no, no, may I sign off of your podcast? Yes, you may sign off. Yeah, it was a real pleasure having you on, Tommy. Thanks, Mitzi. I would love to for you to have me back on sometime, and I hope your channel grows, and I think it's doing great things. <laughs> Thank okay, you, bye, everybody, and I love you all. I love you all more. I love you, Mitzi. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.